Without apology, the regular Joe show with Joe Giganti. Weekday evenings at 9 on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app. Portions of the following program are pre recorded. Talk of the town on Super Talk 1270. Welcome back to the Tech Ranch. Uh, Jordan joining us on the program, our social media expert. And uh, a lot has happened this week, Jordan, uh, with congressional hearings and legislation. Uh, Mayor of New York City uh, went and said social media is a public health crisis. Right. Um, you know, we kind of got a little glimpse of some of that with COVID leading up to this. But I, I want to focus in on all the tech people um, with the exception of one, there was one that wasn't there. The YouTube folks, right. YouTube CEO wasn't there. We'll talk about that as well. But um, all the big ones, X, Zuckerberg with uh, Meta, um, they all showed up yeah. uh, and they were all drug out in the carpet in front of Congress. What led up to that? Yeah, because there's been rumblings about social media and kids. And, and I want to kind of unpack where all this came from. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a deep-rooted issue, and it has been for quite a while. Um, it, You know, there are kids that grew up on TV and, uh, you know, didn't well, play outside much, right? But now it's now it's every kid in the store has a new baby. You know, I, I, I grew up on, on television, and but that was the babysitter at the time. Yes. Now, with technology, and, and I will point fingers back at parents a little bit, because yes. stop handing your kid the tablet or your phone right. as a babysitter. That... that so some of this comes back to the parents as well. Yes. But congressional hearing, of course, you know, the trafficking issues right. and the predatory side of things. This is different. This is way different than me sitting in front of the TV as right. my babysitter for because mom and dad had something else to do for a little bit watching TV. This is an entirely different level. So it's changed because of the technology. Yeah. And it's, I mean, honestly, it goes back to, like you said, parenting styles. So, you know, think about like, you know, we grew up on TV and that's, that was our babysitter, like you said. And then now it's sort of that same situation. A lot of people during COVID were working remote and they have kids. So what do they do? They give their kids a screen because they're on their screen all day. Right. I mean, Obviously, it goes deeper. You do what you know. You do what you know. The other thing with this is we're talking about kids right now, and that's what this congressional hearing was about, was a lot of kids, kids that have committed suicide with cyberbullying and being trafficked and all kinds of other stuff. But you do what you know. So when I'm looking at this, this isn't the first generation. This is just, it's growing um, and, and getting worse and getting worse because things get worse every consequential or subsequent generation. So the parents were a generation of the screen yeah, technology. Absolutely. And that's how they grew up. So now the next generation, this is where it's getting worse. So it's an interesting switch from latchkey kid, you know, uh, off doing whatever, wherever. You don't know where your kids are. You know, it's 10 p.m. Do you know where your kids are? To sort of now the situation where... Well, at 10 p.m. in the summer, or as soon as it got dark, unless I was playing flashlight tag with my friends. If yeah. I'm dating myself there, but you knew to be home. Right. Streetlights are on. You got to be home. Yes. And that's not the case now. No, it's, I mean, we have gone through a couple of stages of number one, there's helicopter parents now, people that have, you know, all of the stuff on their kids' phones that is like the the Life 365, you know, always tracking their location, constantly monitoring everything they're doing. But now also the flip side of that, there are people, you know, parents that let their kids kind of do wherever, whatever, wherever. Um, they have iPads, they have phones, you know, it's, it's sort of a mix of people, the generations not wanting to be like their parents. Well, and I remember back probably eight, 10 years ago, the big discussion, yeah, about 10 years ago, because I remember when the discussion was, okay, what's too early to give your kid a phone? Right. What's too early to give your kid a screen? Now it's like, oh, you, you see three and four year olds that have a device. Yeah. And they know how to use it better than and you they do. know how to. It's like, can you program this for me? Because I have no clue. Right. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's sort of an interesting technique. You know, you give your kid an iPad to, you know, so they can be distracted at the same time you're distracted. Um, And with that and with the increased screen time, attention spans are getting worse and reliance on phones is getting more intense. You know, there's a there's a there's a bill being proposed. It's, it originated in Florida for uh, you know, a minimum age of 16 to be 
uh, for any social media app that is addicting or has an addictive, um, any features that can be addicting. dangerous though because define addicting. Right. It's it's sort of like a reward-based thing. technically that Life 365 or... Yeah. Okay. And my wife's got it with sure niece and nephew. She makes me... I'm like, hey, I leave my phone at home half the time. So right. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, but that's technically a social media app. Yes. Because it's got different components to it. Right. So that's actually a, just a tracking device for parents. Absolutely. So that would fall under that bill. I mean, it's... I think it's complicated because it's extremely complicated. Something like TikTok, right? Not a gray area. Right. Something like TikTok, you get a new, like a new video anywhere from 10 seconds to three minutes. So you're scrolling constantly, constantly, and you well, want to see the next thing. So... A term lately, doom scrolling. Doom scrolling, absolutely. That's what this kind of plays into. Right. And it's, I mean, it's the effect on kids' mental health is absolutely something that cannot be understated. Um, you know, during COVID and stuff like that, doing distance learning, realizing that the attention span of kids is like slowly like drifting and drifting and drifting towards, I want to be doing the next thing, right? You know, it used to be that ADD didn't exist. exist. Yeah. It was like, okay, my kid's a little hyper. Yeah. Okay, well, it, they didn't have ADD when I was around that was, you know, when I was that age. Um, and then it kind of turned into, okay, ADD, at which I pinned back to kids started playing video games and not getting out and playing and not burning off energy. And, and that's exacerbated itself. And now it's, okay, the screen time. Sure. And all of that is a different iteration of mental health for children. It really is. And I mean, obviously, like ADHD and ADD, those are things that actually are prevalent in people, you know, whether they're medicated for it or not, or, you know, a short attention span is a thing a person can have uh, from the jump. But absolutely, it is much, much worse with something like that instant gratification device. Exactly. Yeah. With a video. Yeah, sure. With a video game or with your phone. It's it's all it's sort of feeding into it and well, making it more... Marlo and I, we're the king of the squirrels. Yeah. You know, that's... No no question about it. But we also have the ability, because the way we grew up in our age, you know, yeah. you focus things, you channel things. Yeah. And I was one of those hyper kids when I was little. Uh, but guess what? I was always outside playing right. or working or doing chores. Sure. You channeled that energy. So you had a little bit more attention span when you did have downtime right yeah i mean it's an interest like it's it's truly a bizarre Nothing thing to look at yeah, yeah. It really is. It, like I, I mean my screen time post 2020 uh is up exponentially you know uh now I look at my phone because it gives me the uh the phone screen time and yeah. what am i doing in my phone and i use my phone for work otherwise i wish it just made phone calls but i use it for work and i always get a and this is my instant gratification piece once a month when i get that little message that pops up that said you've used less screen time or less this app or less this or less right i kind of get I, i'm a little junkie to that <laughs> I, 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 it, it, I tell you what i get jazzed i'm like cool i, I use my phone less right yeah that makes me excited yeah that's my instant gratification you know, whenever my screen time is down, I realize it's because I'm on a computer more, oh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's the nature of my job and what I do and what I'm always constantly looking at and scrolling and things like that. It's kind of, it's hard to not see the bad stuff or get caught up in doom scrolling. And especially for a kid who doesn't know what to avoid. For what looks out there that don't know what it is, define doom scrolling. It is endlessly scrolling, looking for the next thing, and it keeps getting worse and worse with the news or the content that you're interacting with. It just... It, you're not engaged. You're not engaged. Just off into space. You know, like, yeah, some people, like, tap their foot or, you know, drum on tables and stuff, but some people just don't even look at their phone and they're constantly scrolling or they're wanting to be scrolling, almost like they're jonesing for it, you know? It makes and my thumb hurt. It makes my head, it makes my head hurt, makes my heart hurt. Yeah. I mean, so just that doom scrolling of constantly scrolling for no reason and just wasting time uh, on your phone or on a screen, just not doing anything productive or anything in particular. Um, and it gets hard. Like I said, with news cycles and stuff, you can get really wrapped up in that kind of thing and sort of lose faith in, you know. I, well, from the mental health aspect of it, you know, we used to have downtime. Yeah. 
And screens eliminated that because what are you doing on your downtime? Okay, right. if you're doom scrolling or you just you have to pick up that device, you can't just sit there for five minutes. Right. It's like my wife and I get into this argument all the time because first thing she does in the morning, boom, Facebook. Right. Uh, well, after her Wordle. Um, yeah, there's even Wordle every day too. But if she's sitting there on the couch uh, watching TV, it's like or doing work at home, and if she has two seconds of downtime. Guess what's in her hand? Right. And she's on Facebook. She, she's, I'm like, we don't get downtime anymore. Right. And kids really are learning not to have down. I mean, and my generation, because I was a TV kid, I grew up with the TV. For me now, TV is kind of downtime. I'll have it on the background. Sure. But I'm not watching it. Right. It, it's, it's there. But the kid being on the device. Right. Kind of the same thing. Yeah, and it's they're not watching it, but they're scrolling. It's that need for connection and that need for instant gratification that really drives people to their phones. You know, even if they're, you know, they just see their friend do out doing something that they took a picture of, that's that connection that they feel. It's changed a lot, and we've talked about this before, how people feel connected. Um, oh, my friend little Johnny having for dinner tonight. Yes, hey. exactly. It's like, oh, really? I didn't know that you watched the game also. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of one of those interesting things where people are kind of hanging on each other's words on Facebook statuses or on Instagram or, you know, in Snapchat stories. It's kind of an interesting living vicariously through your friends sort of situation, uh, especially in the this day and age. It's kind of, I don't know, It's it makes me feel weird for sure. Well, I, I, you mentioned the game. You watch the game too. It's like, and people will sit there and watch each other's feed uh, from the high school basketball game instead of talking to their friend or the other parent who's at the basketball game. Right. Because they'd rather discuss or, or chime in on social media than have a conversation. Right. Why is that, though? It, it I'm trying to figure out what level of gratification that is. And that, now we're talking about parents, but uh, rather than kids necessarily. But uh, what is that level of gratification? Because uh, it, it, there's a need to be seen on somebody's feed or on their thread of comments right rather than well hey yeah hey your kid had a really nice basket right it's a little weird to me it's strange for sure okay so we're going to come back and talk a little bit about that congressional hearing uh this is the tech ranch i'm steve Bach, along with jordan i'm super talk talk of the town on super talk 1270 we're talking with jordan our social media expert of course uh, the big news uh, recently uh the congressional hearings that took place concerning social media everybody showed up except for youtube basically right um all the ceos um so what led up to that because when i was going back watching uh the the video uh they were talking about cyberbullying the mental health aspect um trafficking right a lot of predators out there um really preying on young kids. You mentioned the legislation in some states. Uh, Florida's got uh, a piece of legislation. Not the only state, though. No. Uh, there's a lot of other states, and it's interesting to me because, uh, you know, not to get political, but Florida, a relatively conservative state, um, a lot of not-so-conservative states. I mentioned uh, the mayor of New York right. saying that social media is, a like, officially now a mental health issue right uh it's a crisis um give us a little insight to the background for this because i mentioned some of the you know the those cyber bullying we've heard about that for a long time and and there were a lot of parents in that room that their child had died uh were committed suicide because of social media right um and whether it was any of those things um how come it's taken so long to to start getting some traction or or paying attention to that hey maybe there is an aspect of this that we need to be careful of these dangers because it's kind of percolated off in the distance right kind of a little under the radar but now there's some attention paid to it and i'm looking at it like yeah but now is it too late is the horse already out of the barn so far that it's really hard to reel some of those things back in. I don't think so. I think the optimism involved in this is kind of important to emphasize as well. 
Um, there was a senator in Vermont that said there has been a, a huge reduction in emphasis on the dangers of social media and not sharing personal information. When the internet first came out, there was a huge push and a huge emphasis on do not talk to strangers, don't share any personal information. Uh, if you don't know somebody, don't give them any of your... So it was kind of the things about your... I remember being a little kid. It's like, don't talk to strangers. Somebody approaches you. Don't get in the van. Don't take the candy. Right. You know, it, typical yeah. safety things. But now online, rather, the same warnings are all there. Right. The same safety protocols are all there. It's just in a cyber setting rather than in a personal interactive setting. It's an interesting thing. And it's still a personal interaction. Right. There is sort of this thing where if something happens, whether it's big, small, important, not important, there is often a, t- a feeling of I've got to film this or I've got to tell somebody about this. So you'll see videos of people talking about hyper specific things to themselves or like hyper personal details about who they are uh, just unprompted because that's what social media is for, uh, especially lately. Um, but Obviously, like the don't talk to strangers, don't share personal information. Those are things that are still talked about and pushed. But with so many different social media platforms, Snapchat, Facebook, uh, X, uh, Discords, you know, all, all of these ones, all the CEOs that showed up, um, kind of it, it really highlights that there is a lot more going on than a lot of people are maybe aware of. You know, sometimes you talk to parents of these kids and they you ask them about these specific apps like, you know, like Discord or these cha- other chat apps, you know, and they don't really know much about it or, you know, there's no age verification necessary for some of these things. And I think that's an important thing that needs to be put in place. But the emphasis now is optimism, I think, hopefully like moving forward and making sure that tech companies are owning up to this and actually taking it seriously as far as identification, taking it seriously as far as making sure that children on the internet are safe and doing things in a safe way. Um, there's been a proposition of, you know, perhaps a government agency that watches over this because up until now... Oh, great, more government oversight. Right, exactly. It, I'm usually not a fan of. I mean, and it's maybe that's the thing that these companies need to, you know, light the fire, so to speak, so they don't have to have a government overlord, so to speak, you know, uh, watching their every move and making decisions for them. So making it safer by even just proposing this is something that I think is really going to push this in the right direction. Moving on. So, uh, a cyber side of Homeland Security. Sure. TSA, if you're bored the internet. Exactly. Yeah. Whatever, whatever that would look like. Right. And I mean, there, there is not a lot of cybersecurity agencies, really, like locally, you know, in a lot of states, they don't have a division dedicated to that. For like- well, like I know in the state of North Dakota, where we're broadcasting from, it's uh, there's a big cybersecurity division within the state. Yeah. Um, but again, that's for government business. Right. Uh, business has a lot of cybersecurity. Right. Um, you know, we see about being held hostage or, or hijacking. Uh, right. Doxing, things like that. But now on a personal level, There's those that go after your kids. Right. That's true. And I mean, it's kind of, it's scary to think about, but it's always been scary to think about, you know? So just emphasizing it now and making it, uh, you know, a known problem to everybody on on every level, that, hey, this is not an okay thing that is happening. We need to fix this. I think that's going to move us in the right direction, at least start to push all of these big tech companies that have really, you know, pushed for profits more than safety, pushed for profit over, you know, yeah, exactly. Mental and, health. And one of the senators said this. It's like, you know, it kids are profit. You know, it they're they're a commodity. Right. At this point to a lot of these social media platforms, um, a lot of these cyber platforms, right. it, you know, it it's about the commodity. Yeah. You know, right. We take a look at uh, you know, with um Meta trying to compete against X. Right. Um those numbers of users, that's a, a bankable commodity. Exactly. Yeah. And, and there's no better way from a marketing perspective than get them while they're young because you're probably going to hold on to them. Exactly. So there's a lot of value in those younger users. You know, and that's not a new thing necessarily. No, so No, not at all. Thinking about even fairly, you know, 25 years ago, the, the Sony PlayStation was coming out, right? And the marketing campaign behind that was get the 17 year olds interested in this that's your target demographic because people that are younger than them are going to 
uh, look up to them. They want to be like the 17-year-olds, and people older than them are going to remember when they were 17 and be interested in the same thing. Now, to put that in a perspective of instead of selling a product, they are selling their service to kids, to people that want to be cool, to want to be you know involved in the social media because of TikTok and things like this being so readily available and so many people sharing all of their details online, all of their personal stories and things like that. Okay, so that brings up a great question to my head, uh, Jordan, and, and you're a gamer to a certain degree, right? A little bit. No, not really, but okay. I know stuff. You know stuff. So... Have we been through this already, though? Because I remember when gaming went to that next level of right. interactive gaming. Yes. So there were gaming communities out there. Right. So you weren't just playing a game by yourself at home. You had a community. Yeah. And then you didn't know who else was in that community. Exactly. And it was global. So we already kind of went through this. And I remember back when there was a big onus on that aspect of cybersecurity right. with the gaming world of, do you know who's in your gaming group? Right. Do you know who your kids are interacting with? Because there were a lot of predators that went, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are we seeing that now on the social media side of things? Because now I'm thinking in my head, it's like, we've already been through this to a certain degree. Yeah, I think it's just knowing your audience as far as like those people are concerned, you know, like, how do you relate to these kids and you learn all about them and, and then you, you know, through their personal stories that they're telling and all their information that they're giving out. It's uh, it's hard too, because if you think about like when the first video games were coming out that were online and these LAN parties, it was kind of, you know, prevalent then as it is now that uh, safety is secondary. Again, uh, uh, you got to know what your kids are doing. Follow us on us on Facebook, Super Talk 1270. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Are you familiar with Moab? Moab? Not, and that's not Moab Valley, like oh. like in Nevada. Uh, uh, character. Actually, that's Moab Valley. Yeah. yeah. Character from Dune. Moab. Moab. M O A B. Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Moab. Okay. Which the second iteration of? I'm a big Dune fan, obviously. And and when Dune movie came out and they rebooted it, because I actually have a director's cut of the original. Okay, at great, like six hours long. It's a great, great movie. Um, little hokey with the special effects, but they had the new one that came out, right? And I was like, get halfway through, and I'm like, crap, this is only half the movie. What's going on? It's coming out this spring. I'm excited. I bet you are. Yes. Cool. Cool beans. So, man. Dune 2. Cool Dune. Rest of the story. So, they had a Moab. It's got its own acronym now. Uh, the mother of all, of all breaches. Have you seen this? Of all breaches? All breaches. So, 29, 29 million, 29 billion, excuse me, accounts were breached. Whoa. And those are 7 billion people in the, you know, on, on the planet. Yeah. So you're talking like all of them? Like, yeah. I mean, you, you, I don't know what the average secured account you have per person is in the, in the world, but obviously it's more than 29 billion. I guess. What kind of accounts are we talking like? Well, bank so, account and so the, yeah. And I mean, medical X was in there now. Facebook was in there and, and, uh, yeah, Twitter was in there. I think that's before. So. What's interesting about this is that there has been no rush about, you know, letting people know that this has been going on, okay? And I'll just, I'll just read some of this. Uh, just to get a sense of the breach's scope, the newly discovered database contains over 3,800 folders, each containing records from an, from an individual data breach. So there's 3,800 separate data breaches within this. As such, it seems that these breach records were compiled over time to create this database. So this is stuff from three years ago, five years ago, who knows how long. Within that list of 3,800 folders, it includes major brands and entities such as Twitter, 281 million records, LinkedIn, 251 million records, Evite, uh, 179 million records, Adobe, 153 million records, and leading the way with breach records is transit with 1.5 billion records exposed. Well, 
researchers also discovered, and this is to me where it really gets crazy, or at least scary, also discovered that the leak contains records from government organizations in the U.S., Brazil, Germany, Philippines, Turkey, and other countries. So even U.S. documents, and my guess would be, you know, what do you got in the, in the with the U.S.? Well, IRS is probably one, um, DOT, another. Um, so I can't tell you, there's two things that you need to do, Steve. Pay attention to me now. Yeah. I know you're texting now too. You're distracted hosting as well. I stayed in my lane though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But there's two things that we need to do. First thing, knowing this means that you, you should be changing your devices, um, or your accounts, passwords. All of them. If they, if, if what if I can't remember them all? I know. It's such a pain, right? Problem is that they do. So you got to figure it out. And if you're like me, and this is this is the thing that I think is really interesting. What do you do? You got like 8,000 emails. Oh, my goodness. Passwords are the bane of my existence. I have to tell you. I, so do you trust your device to go, hey, we can save your password? No. I don't either. But I've noticed lately that I'm, I'm succumbing to the laziness because it's so time-consuming to look stuff up all the time. And I do have uh, a place that I handwrite my stuff down yet because I just don't <laughs> trust it. And, and this is why. This is why I don't trust it because... Is that every you note under your keyboard? Everything, yeah. And, yeah. But, but, but know that I have a special code for that. So if it does say chicken, it means... Oh, fish. okay. Yeah, just so you know. Um, Eat more chicken. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, anyway. Eat more cow. Why am I hungry all this time? I don't know. The um, Chick-fil-A does sound good. Yes, it does. The You just need to change your passwords. You need to get in there. And the other thing you can do if, if you're allowed with these accounts, and there's more and more of this, is to get that second factor authentication. So it oh, texts yes. your phone or emails you or something like that with a secured passcode. Okay, the radio station started that authentication yeah. stuff, and I'm like, no, I don't want to sign up for something. Yeah. Because I, yeah, what if you don't have your phone with you? Then you can't get into anything. And that does happen occasionally. In fact, it happens to me more often than I realize. I, I, you, you've actually analyzed me how often I walk out of my house without my phone because subconsciously I don't want to be attached to the device anymore. So well, the other thing that I think really that, they, that maybe something places haven't really thought about yet is like you have an account that's shared with staff, with your coworkers, right? right? Um, and I, I'm trying to give you an example, like a Google Cloud scenario or a Dropbox or whatever that you that you share. And I'm not saying that you know we 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 have the seats, right? But there's one admin to this, right? And you give somebody else in your in your crew administrative access, so they go sign in. And because they they urgently need a document or something that's in there, and who do you think gets the text? Me, yeah. And I'm sitting in a mountain range right now doing some event for fruitcake toss day, right? I'm just bringing this up because this. Just why there's a fruitcake in there? Yes. Okay, that's correct. I had a piece of it. Was kind of... How was it, by the way? How oh, was it? Oh, I mean, we just opened it. it tasted like fruitcake. Well, yeah, but there's they're like Twinkies. They last forever. I have no idea. They make good doorstops. I think. It's heavy, isn't it? It's very it's heavy. In heavy, it's crazy. Yeah. I've never had um, the security, and I have all the clearances, right? As you know, I mean, I walk through security in airports like nobody's business nowadays. Cause NASA it, lets you in. They scan my eyes, and I just walk right through, right? So, so I love that part. A lot of it's just because I fly a lot, and I just wanted to get all the clearances. Uh, I've never had five people come over and go through my bag. That but I was recently. carrying a fruitcake. Ah, ah. Food is like a, a, a thing. Because my wife, when we travel, she's got to pack snacks. I'm like, we don't need to pack snacks. Yeah. We always pack snacks. Yeah. It's like... Does she, does, she get, does she have the security get her food? Oh, gosh, food? yeah. Really? But yeah, it, it's a food thing. If you've got food, you're flagged. They had to, they had to unseal the box. Because it was in a sealed box, and of course the guy that was doing this, and he had three other people there. I mean, I, I'm not sure why it took so many people 
Maybe it was the weight of the fruitcake. I don't know. Or the density of it. Well, they're dense. Is your fruitcake picking? Oh, my goodness. You know, <laughs> so they unseal it, and then they then they see that the... Did they the, sample it? It's in a metal thing, and the metal thing is, of course, sealed with that plastic wrapper on it. Right. So they had to take that off. They had to take the top off, examine the fruitcake. How do you how do you examine a fruitcake? Well, they didn't take things and punch it in there, I guess. So, but they had this swapper thing that they ran across it three or four different times. Was it sanitary? I do not know. I'm glad you had a, a taste of it. And anybody else that comes in the office, I feel okay. You know, should know that that security actually swabbed the fruitcake quite a bit. So you start passing out pieces. <laughs> Here, try this. Let us know if you're okay in five minutes. I don't even know. Oh, we were talking about Moab, the mother of all breaches. How did we get to my security thing? Not to be confused with the mother of all breaches. Oh, my goodness. Mother of all breaches. So, yeah. Team Joe, oh, yeah, that's right. So I got there. And, and uh, so second factor authentication, you need to make sure that at least the person who's getting the text is able to get the text because if you don't... And don't leave your that, phone at home. And don't leave your phone at home. That's why we got on the track. Yeah. So I was talking about... Because I have this bad habit of ah, halfway to some place I'm going, I'm like, I need my phone. Then I would not go back and get it. But yeah. I got to do it from the help. So they should have, you know, maybe another way. I don't know what that other way would be, but, but it does thwart, I think I read one time, it's over 95% of yeah. all hack attempts have been thwarted because of second factor authentication. So, well, it's that Microsoft authenticator. It is the one. Makes, that, it you, really makes a big difference. So, so, you know, do that. Odds are very, very high that you've been breached. I'm just, I can't you know, emphasize that enough. So please change your password. I have noticed lately there's been a lot of erroneous friend requests. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And, and I'll, and I'm not on social media that much, but I, I've got, a, and I always go back and look. I'm like, wait a minute. If I get a friend request, I'm probably already friends with them. And there's a lot of them that, no, I'm already friends with them. Yeah. And one I clicked on because I wasn't sure. And then, sure enough, started this conversation with me. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, have you heard about this? You should go on this website and, you know, get free government money, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, he's not sending me that. So yeah, delete that one really quick. I'm texting again. So. I'm a friend. So, yes. yeah, but I've noticed there has been a plethora of friend requests that uh, now I know why. Right. Because it was the it's very possible. mother of all Moab breaches. Yeah, mother of all breaches. It's a great name. I, I love that the fact, I love the fact that it, it has evoked a really large pant image. Big 29 billion accounts. Can't emphasize that enough. And so only 7 billion people in the world. I'm glad you said that because this means that the odds are really, really, really good that something you have out there has been breached. So, so change your passwords. But what if I can't remember my MySpace password? <laughs> I, I still have an account. Do your best to change your password. This is the thing I was going to get to, by the way. Because how many dead accounts are out there? There's a lot, of a course. Lot. And, but this is the thing about people, and I, I'm guilty of this too. You know, you use one password for how many different accounts? Right. Because you don't want to remember 18 different passwords. So if you're breached over here and it's for this, they'll be like, well, yeah, but Steve Banks at blah, 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 bank. I wonder if this, oh, look at that. It got me in. Well, see, I'm smart there because I don't use the same password for financial. Well, that's a credit. very, very smart thing to do. Like that. But most people do because they want the ease of access to all of their accounts, not just financial. Super Talk. Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. Welcome to February 6th on the National Day Calendar. Today we're perfecting our skills with a unique dining utensil and enjoying a dessert that's as delicious as it is versatile. Chopsticks have been the primary eating utensils in many parts of East Asia for over a millennium. Made from a variety of materials from bamboo to stainless steel, chopsticks are an essential part of numerous culinary traditions. Though they may seem challenging to use at first, mastering chopstick etiquette offers a deeper understanding and appreciation of these cultures. 
On National Chopsticks Day, we honor these humble utensils that have been shaping dining experiences across the globe. Man who catch fly with chopstick accomplish anything. You ever catch one? Not yet. All right. I need to know how you learned to use chopsticks. I'm a foodie. I love food. How long, how long have you known how to use them? I, I watch you eat things with them like there's nothing to it. I can't tell you it's a secret. I've been doing it since I was born. I literally just stab things. I know. I've seen you try to use them, and it's really, really bad. Switching from the dexterity of chopstick usage, we turn to a sweet treat that allows for countless combinations. Frozen yogurt, a lighter alternative to ice cream, burst onto the dessert scene in the 1980s. With a variety of flavors and a slew of topping options from fresh fruit to crunchy cereal, every bowl of frozen yogurt can be a unique creation. On National Frozen Yogurt Day, we celebrate this customizable dessert that adds a dollop of delight to our day. What kind did you get? Coffee. And they grind up the coffee beans and put it in. Let me test taste that. Huh? Huh? rico. Suave. Okay, how do you do your frozen yogurt? Well, I like the crunchy cereal thing. I think Fruit Loops would be amazing on them. But actually, I'm more of a, I like fresh fruit. Okay, so you know what? what? Let's grab some chopsticks and yeah. let's try to eat the frozen yogurt with the chopsticks. You want to try? That would be fun, actually. Okay, let's go. Okay. I'm Latoya Johnson. Thank you for joining us on our journey to celebrate every day on Destination Celebration. Until next time, keep celebrating. Chopsticks. KLXX AM, Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studio. <laughs> it's all about the pets. Steve Dale's Pet World. Saturday afternoon at 4 on Super Talk 1270. Portions of the following program are pre recorded. Welcome back to Talk of the Town on Super Talk 1270. The mission, the mission of Neuralink, create a generalized brain interface to restore autonomy to those with unmet medical needs today and unlock human potential tomorrow. That's true. It's a lot in that statement. It's a lot in that statement. Here's the interface, Steve. Yeah, it, it's like a small watch battery, and it actually is cause it, it's actually unseen to the human eye. They actually implant this in the brain. Uh, and I suppose, I suppose most people, the hair would grow over it. Right. Yeah. Little scar. Most people. Most. Yeah. I, I wasn't, I was going to be nice. I was going, in your case, maybe a 30 hair comb over. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking that there might it's be a, over the yeah, there might be a button or two that a person could push. Right. Right. I want Marlon to go to sleep now. Boom. And that would be that. Actually, can you program it to grow hair? That would be, you know, you never know. You never know. I mean, what are the constraints of, of that? I mean, if you're tapping into the brain and we only use 10% of our brain power and you can reprogram your brain to do a lot of things, you could maybe get your brain to go, hey, we're going to grow hair again and not just on your back. I'm guessing there's all kinds of opportunities yeah. here, so... Now, the N1 implant is hermetically sealed in a biocompatible enclosure that withstands physi, physios, physiological conditions several times harsher than those in the human body. So there's a battery in this thing um, powered by a small battery charged wirelessly from the outside via a compact inductive charger, much like your phone. What if you put one of those nuclear batteries? So that you do it. I'm guessing that that's a possibility sometime. And it lasts forever. Fifty you years at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just put your head on one of those charging the, mats for a while. That's what I want to know, right? You, you can charge your phone wirelessly, right? <laughs> and I can put my watch on this to charge it wirelessly, right? No, my but, watch is about to die. Yeah. Put it on your head. <laughs> or your phone's about to die. Boop, there you go. Have a little magnetic thing right there so you can just mount your phone. You're one inductive charging pad now. That's funny. That is funny. So, uh, but yeah, it actually controls things. So you can use this device to control computers, robots, whatever, right? And you think it. 
So you're not far off about what you're, what you're thinking, right? So if you have a, hey, I got a big family event, grow hair. Or, or you can find a wheelchair. You can actually have a surgical implant now, uh, where your back was broken, right? And then on that other side of the spine, they can have a Bluetooth device. This is already possible, right. by the way. And, and, uh, now your brain communicates to it wirelessly, uh, and you'll be able to have function again. Beyond that, though, I mean, it's, think about you could tell your brain to regrow those neural pathways that you're just really, triggered. you're really all about that. I don't, I don't, yeah. I wonder. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm looking at it from the side that we only tap into 10% of our brain power. Right. Our brain is an amazing supercomputer, which we talk about AI all the time. But AI, which is sort of based off of your brain, but we've got room to grow. We got a lot of room to grow. And, and there's a, a thought process that AI is based on our brain, but we only use 10% of our brain. So that's the limiting factor, the constraint to artificial intelligence, because we haven't reached anywhere near our potential yet. So can artificial intelligence reach its potential when it's based off of what our current potential is? It's a, it's a very interesting philosophical thought I've read into a little bit and it's like, okay, there's, I guess there's a point there, but if we have the ability to tap into more of that, whether it's through this device or a combination of this and artificial intelligence, why is it not in the realm of possibility that you could tell your body, hey, I lost my thumb in a uh, saw accident in shop class. Grow me another one. So it's implanted with a surgical robot as well. So the threads of our implant Fantastic are full fine. The threads, then I want you to really pay attention to that word threads. The threads of our implant are so fine that they can't be inserted by the human hand. Our surgical robot has been designed to reliably and efficiently insert these threads exactly where they need to be. So there are threads, and my guess would be that they're very similar to fiber optics type of thread. Right. Very, very thin that are being planted into your brain in you know, certain fiber optics are based off of human nerve. That's where the, the thought came from to, hey, maybe if we do this. Okay. That, that's, that would. I, I just find that fascinating that, and the other thing is, so you, you can't just trust the device you're putting in there. There's no human hands involved in implanting this in you either. And the way they talk about it on the website here is that, you know, it's been done many times over. We know it's only been done one time to a human. So my guess is that you're right. They've they've had to practice someplace. Disease. Whatever it is, right? So that's interesting to me as well. All right, the base structure. The base structure and motion stage provide the structural platform for the robot head and the primary three-axis linear motion used to position the robot head and needle. I guess I'm just reading through the... The actual surgeon, which, by the way, I'm going to show this to you. Look, Dad, no hands. Wow. So going back to, and we've talked about surgical robots, and but a lot of those surgical robots on the microsurgery side, it's in conjunction with a surgeon. This right. is just the robot. I would have to think that they have to have a doctor somewhere, right? A programmer. No, I think they still, in my, I don't think, I don't think you're, boy, I don't know. Maybe you can have surgery without a, without a doctor. Episode when they're well, reconnecting. Yes. Spock's brain. Yes. Yes. Bone like tapped into that smart machine and, and then he's starting to forget it was taking too long. Yes. Yeah. So do you tap into a, a, a surgeon's skill set somehow? Because there's a skill set involved, or is it all just the robotics? It's just incredible to me. It just really is. I'm just, I'm really just going through their website here. And their website's kind of hard to navigate too, by the way. So Elon, you need to do something about your website. Well, yeah, but... A lot of it. Okay. Hey, all right. A lot all right. of it's just the technical info too that's well, on there. There's all, there's all, obviously a doctor can't do this 
on his own, right? So, all right, the threads. This Talk is what I want to get to. Yeah. The N1 implant records neural activity through 1,024 electrodes distributed across 84 threads. These highly flexible, ultra-thin threads are key to minimize damage during the implantation and beyond. So that's how it talks to your brain is through 124 or 1,024 electrodes through 64 threads. And the robot is what connects the threads. The That's correct. So it's it's almost like a spider web weaving a, a spider thread. Yep. Okay, so... So then from the thread, all right, so I'll explain that. Okay, but now think about this. If you're looking at um, the capacity to do that and whether there's a 3D printer involved that's doing this filament or you're re- you can regenerate nerves at that point because that's the pathway by which our bodies communicate. So Just keep throwing it out there. And we'll- nerve. Chips and electronics. Advanced custom low-powered chips and electronics process neural signals. So this is the implant now. Mm-hmm. So it's taking the neural signals that you're giving it. Move my finger. Blink my eyes. Eat that chocolate cake. Thanks for not saying pull my finger. <laughs> <laughs> so advanced custom low-powered chips and electronics process neural signals, transmitting them wirelessly to the Neuralink application which decodes the data stream into actions and intents. Okay, so think about how, I mean, we don't think about, it's just instantaneously it goes off in your brain and you raise your arm. It, how fast is that processor? Oh, I'm sure it's pretty fast. Yeah. Might be slower than the brain, though. Probably. But still, I mean, you think it and then you move your arm that you couldn't move before. Yeah. Are you going to put up with I'm not a, complain. a hundredth of a second delay no complaints no complaints i don't care if i may not be able to catch a football but i can raise my arm right i can throw a football yep and odds are pretty good sometimes in the future you might actually perform better than most people with throwing a football if you have a neural link and and you're you're right million dollar man you're right about the because think I have to. I think you have to think about phones and how things have gone on there, right? I can bump my phone into yours, right, and transfer data, mm-hmm. basically my contact information. But it wouldn't take much for me to say, all right, I want to transfer. Well, I guess you do this now with photos and videos and whatever. But if I wanted to transfer a document or, or industry information or whatever, if that's already possible, and now this technology is in a chip in your brain and you have a neural link in your in your brain that's communicating with this chip with your intents and actions. If my action is share like what I'm seeing to Steve's screen on his phone. I mean, is, is this what we're opening up here? I, I'm still thinking about the cyber pickpocket. It's like somebody walks up to you on the street and headbutts you just to steal all your information. So, and then how, and that, that's the other thing, right? So how much information is actually stored in this thing? I mean, is it, is it actually, are you Wi-Fi to the cloud? Well, that's what I'm wondering here, right? Is it all, is it all of a sudden that you, you are actually doing some type of data dump? It might take a couple of years because I think there's been estimations of how many billions of terabytes of information we actually hold in our head. Uh, but it's interesting that, that, we actually have somebody who's trying to calculate how much information is in our head and how to gain access to that. So oh, I'm thinking Chinese spies right now. Oh my God. Walking around, just collecting information. It's crazy when you think about what's going on here and what's possible. So yeah. You this, don't need the secret agent glasses anymore. You just use your eyes. Well, and I think next here, we're going to talk a little bit about a walk that Elon took a couple of days ago. That is also very fascinating. Super Talk. Talk of the town on Super Talk 1270. Elon Musk goes for a walk with Optimus. Optimus Prime? He calls it his robot Optimus. Oh. There's Optimus walking. Not quite Optimus Prime. But not terrible for a robot, right? Not a transformer, but I, I would call that a stroll. Yes. But... Very humanoid in movement. 
not moving very fast. I'm sure it has a stroll. I'm sure it's usually stroll. I'm sure it has the strength of, you know, 15 humans, though. I must break you. It's impressive. There's another robot I was watching the other day that was actually doing some type of gymnastics routine. Oh, I saw that one. Very nimble. Did you see the yeah. how nimble that thing is? It was like a tigger. It's unbelievable. It really, truly was unbelievable. Like, like, okay, so it wasn't mechanical. So, because mechanical can be blocky and chunky. Right. It was flexible and nimble. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, I haven't seen that before. Yeah. Not in robotics. So, that's so all of this with robots, humanoid type robots starting to make an, more and more of an appearance. And we got Neuralink. I mean, you can't tell me that this is not where we're headed. That Elon must be thinking about sometime in the future, he's going to have his consciousness put into one of these machines. So Elon's going to control Skynet. He's 52 years old now, right? So he he has to be thinking about his own mortality a I little bit. live forever. It has, I need the monkey body. It has to be. I mean, I don't. This is all for, I mean, the amount of good this will do for humanity is incredible. But I just feel like there's just all of this stuff just coming down the pipeline just so quickly now uh, that this Neuralink and they, they're talking about the size of the human brain, how much data is in there or whatever. Uh, I never even I never even dreamed that they were putting 64 threads of basically fiber optic cable attached to inside your brain someplace. And then they're taking that data and and basically uncompressing it so that the computer chip knows what, what you're thinking. I mean, really, this is what we're talking about here. Does it know what you're thinking before you do? Um, okay. Wow. I, that's the next step, right? I don't know. I just, I am totally blown away by all of this. It's February of 2024. We were so blown away. At this time last year, a year ago, we were just talking about AI. Non-stop. Artificial intelligence this, artificial intelligence that. It's funny that we haven't really talked about that too much today. But now this, we haven't. But this is a result of AI. I'm telling you that right now. The, right. These advances that have happened in such a short period of time are all about the fact that AI has been involved and, and moving these things forward. And what's missing out right of this? Speed. What's missing out of this? What's I don't The integration of AI with the chip. I, I, and with, you can't tell me that that's not what's in there I, now. I, I'm not saying that that's not what's I, driving. If, if we did a deep dive into that chip that's being implanted in the brain, I guarantee you that there's AI in there because there, something has to be making some type of decision. How, how are they decompressing the data that they're getting from you? Something has to be making a decision in there because it's not, I don't think it's a full-blown computer. So then you have to have an AI type of chip that's in there that's making, that's, that's deciphering, right? I mean, that's able to think kind of for itself and, and yeah. What are you doing, Dave? Except in Elon's voice. I mean, chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> it's Elon's voice. Isn't that chocolate cake amazing? Oh, not a cake guy. I like pie. That's so this was, this was interesting the other day. I was, uh, um, some people have been getting a hold of, the Cybertruck, speaking of Elon, have you seen this? Yeah. And uh, um, so I guess, I, I don't know this guy, he was just doing this experiment. He was going to CarMax to see how much they would give him for a Cybertruck. So when you buy a Cybertruck, you're not allowed to sell it for a year. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, you got to hold on to it for a while? You have to hold on for a while because they're concerned about the people, because they can't deliver them fast enough. So they're right. concerned about if you are lucky enough in the lottery to get one, that there might be somebody else there that's worth that's you, only buy it, you don't drive it. You sit on it for a year, and then it shows up at Meekum Auction. And somebody might pay two or three hundred thousand for it right. because there's they're difficult well, to get a hold of. Look right? over the price uh, when the electric trucks first came out, like the right. Lightnings from Ford, and right, and the uh, I forget what it was called the the Hummer, the electric Hummer from GM. Waiting list forever yeah. on those. That's kind of waned as, right. as they've caught up with some of the production, but. People were buying those, holding on to them, and then flipping them 
um, and making a lot of money in the process. Yeah, I would I would imagine that with the Cypher truck, it's going to be the same way for a while. This guy had one. It wasn't even his. He just was going to CarMax to find out what kind of offer they would give him on this. Because there are people that are posted out there, they will, they will give somebody two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars for it. So he was just curious if they would give him over sticker, or I don't know the results of his. I'm sure, quite well over sticker. Yeah, it would be interesting to see that. So, yeah, he's been a busy guy the last. Actually, I saw a video on the Tesla truck, and it was on some diesel truck site. And uh, it was kind of stuck in the snow. It couldn't get up a hill. Well, yes. It was like... I think the issue is there's too much torque. Too it much just torque. it just spin out. Yeah. Yeah. You can't slowly go up. So they're going to have to figure out something like a snow mode or something like that so it can just kind of creep along right away. Uh-huh. That would be the answer to that, I would imagine. Well, it's like the, they've got crab mode in the, um, in the Hummers. Okay. So I guess it would... Probably be like a crab mode, but driving straight instead of. So is that with with, with Neuralink and your significant other, if they're in crabby mode, <laughs> could you change that to sweet mode or whatever? I want that remote control or that app on my phone. I I, I have to have that. <laughs> so could I get that implanted? Oh my, my wife. Oh, erase all you, memory of what you, operation. You're just getting yourself in trouble, and, oh man! And I'm gonna push the button, and she's gonna be the sweetest thing ever. She is the sweetest thing ever to you. <laughs> she makes me scotcheroos. You know she does. She hasn't made those for a while, though. She's been busy too. We've all been so busy lately. You know what? That's the one thing. Because okay, you're gonna have the ability to have different skill sets, and you know whether it's, hey, I can speak Mandarin right now or whatever it is, I guarantee there is no AI or no level of cyber anything that could improve Wendy's scotcheroos. That's true. I don't think so. Yeah. It's not going to happen. This is an interesting question. I was just going through here, going back to Neuralink. Will Neuralink be mandatory? What? Oh, hell no. Oh, I love your reaction. Oh, oh. Hell no. Neuralink is a company working on developing brain-computer interfaces technology, but its use is voluntary and not currently now mandated by any governing body. It is important to stay informed about technological advancements and make personal choices based on individual preferences and beliefs. Can you imagine? We've talked about the Chinese tracking software, and I I could see a, a government like that going... You have to have that implant. And when the... I'd never even dreamed of this possibility. What happens when the population gets a little rowdy? Oh, my goodness. Push a button. Everybody's happy. Like I can make my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, welcome to Skynet. Why are we laughing? Oh, I, I, I say it all the time. It's, just, it's in a sci-fi movie. That's just crazy. Okay, currently, we'll get into how you can get Neuralink. The talk of the town on Super Talk 1270. So what don't you want if you live in Chicago right now? electric vehicle <laughs> have you seen all the all the pictures that have been coming out all the images from the chicago area in the last week or ten? last few weeks we've seen all these snowstorms hitting east of here yep and uh east coast and and all you're seeing i mean when mainstream media national news starts carrying people complaining about their electric vehicles and they're stuck and we've talked a little bit about this about okay how scary is it someday when you wind up in traffic situations and all these electric vehicles die in transit and are stuck on the road, yep. on the freeway, and that's during happening. rush hour. And it's been happening because yeah. of the weather. Well, I mean, you, you first of all, the batteries don't work as well when it's cold out. So instead of getting 250 miles of charge, they're getting 20, 80, 100. <laughs> and, and then if you're stuck in traffic, it 
there's so much energy used in these things to heat the vehicle because there's no, you don't have an internal combustion engine running, which means that there's no heat being generated from anything. Well, and that's part of the problem with what's been happening in Chicago, New York, and East Coast cities with the snowstorms. Because, And I actually watched uh, a news clip of a somebody in, in the electric vehicle space saying, yeah, you can't use your heater. Okay, but it's... 50 degrees, yeah. And, uh, and they're like, use your seat heater to keep warm in your electric vehicle. Okay, but now I'm not using the heater in the vehicle, which is a big suck on the electricity, which means my windows are fogging up, so now I can't see and, and I'm going to die in a fiery yeah, crash. Yeah, yeah, it's been a big issue. And, and then you combine that with the fact that they have so much torque that you can get stuck on a, like, like, an inch rise over the next mile if there's oh. snow on the ground because they, they just start spinning the tires. They cannot I saw, get under control. I, I, I saw a video of some guy, it was uh, some diesel-powered truck page on social media, and he was driving by, and uh, he's got his window open. He's videoing this guy in the new Tesla truck, and it's maybe an inch or two of snow, and... A minimal incline up this driveway and couldn't go anywhere. In fact, it was squirrely as heck and like zero traction, too much torque. Yep. And the guy's got his windows down. He's like, hey, don't worry about it. I'll call Elon for you. He'll be <laughs> on his way. Elon's coming. Now, my guess, and, and uh, you don't and I have figured that out. You and I have talked about this before. They're going to they're gonna have like a snow button that they'll yeah. just, you just push. The torque will just, it'll just gear down and that'll be that, right? So that'll, that's coming. The battery thing, well, okay. So this is a great, we've talked about the nuke battery. Yeah. Have we talked about it on the show? I think we did last a week. A little bit. Yeah. So, but some more stuff's come out about it that it, cause it's right now they're, they're working on the scalability. So yeah, right now it's about small things. Yeah. Replacing the double and triple battery, yep. a battery, Large battery, battery, phone battery, right? Yeah. The nuke battery. Which means I'll never have to get a new phone because the battery would die. Well, that's, that is, that's an interesting thing. I wonder if it'll, I'll if it'll, the screen because it'll increase really the cost of the phone though. If you don't have to charge it for the next 50 years. Well, and, and your tip, okay, so you get, can I, well, I'll still be able to charge, you know, because I use my phone to charge my watch. Can I still do that too? Why not? What, cause, cause it's got uh, wireless never power. Die. So your phone, what's, why do most people have to replace their batteries? Well, they wear them out after a while. I mean, the, right. They the wear them out. Charging of it. It's the constant yeah. charging. You, you buy a device and there's only so many charges in it. You can only charge it so many times. Generally says 500 to 1,000. I think most right. people get way more than that. But at some point. Because you should always let it run way down. Yeah. Not charge it when it's like, oh, it's got 40%. Yeah, because cause it, it, you only get so many charges. That's correct. I mean, if you let it go to 40% and then charge it back up, that actually does count as another charge, charge. on your phone. Oh, so. Like a 10%. It's like. Yeah. And they. So I don't know if you leave it on a. On a charging pad all the, all the time. time. Yeah. yeah. I would imagine it works your, cause it's always charging. Yeah. So does that count as one big charge or a bunch multiple, of little charges? I guess in multiple. Yeah. Oh, I'm screwed. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking about, I really like this nuke battery scenario now. So, so there's this battery that's coming out. Uh, they're talking about mass production in 2025 and, uh, it uses some type of radio isotope. Um, and I don't know, I don't know all the numbers off the top of my head, but, but uh, they're basically claiming that you will be able to replace anything that's using double and triple A batteries, and you will probably never have to change that battery ever again. So, and part the, of it is because the amount of the radioactive isotope, which it's it's working off of the decay, the half life of that right, battery. and there's no harm. I mean, there's no it's risk so small it to humans. It's so very small. What if you're to scale that up for an electric vehicle? So that's interesting. Now is there more danger because well, you've got more, or does it still work off of that same small, but minuscule amount? You did see the commercial with Julia, uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus for Mercedes, right? The Mercedes. Oh, the electric, yeah. And all it was is, was like 100,000 AAA batteries that were in the car. Yep. Hilarious. It was so funny. You know, they had the quick release button and it was a little red thing and you pulled it and these batteries start pouring out around <laughs> the thing, right? So if that was a thing, 
then this would work. This would work. Right? Because you're replacing the AAA batteries or the AA batteries. But again, it's... Does it come down to the volume of the radioactive isotope? Yeah, that's that's my question. It's like, okay, because if you're putting this little tiny speck of radioactivity into a phone or a watch battery, that that little tiny battery. Yeah, like one Twinkie a day. Yeah, but now it's 20,000 Twinkies a day. And that's not good for anybody, is it? No. Or is it one massive Twinkie? Right. Right. Because I don't know what that would look like. Do you scale it up so now you've got more radioactivity? My guess, though, is that they're going to work towards that. Right. But, I mean, just to re- just to replace all the devices that use double and triple A batteries and phones is a huge undertaking. They'll be, they'll be busy just in that alone for a significant amount of time. And well, do they, if, as a business... And, you know, in a business model, do they sign a deal with Apple so they negate Samsung in this scenario? I mean, there's going to be there's going to be a lot of a lot of pressure put on this company, in my opinion, for exclusivity towards certain devices for a while. Well, and going back to the electric vehicle side of stuff too is, is so now if you're looking at the electric vehicle positioning for this, because what's kind of come on the heels of all the weather this winter in Chicago East. And people getting stuck in their electric vehicles and can't charge them and they've died on roadways because the weather's been cold. And now you're seeing a push to a lot of, hey, like Jeep, for example, um, we've got electric mode or if you need more range, it's the, the power mode. Right. You know, you can use the, the gas powered engine or, Dodge did with that, hey, for an upgrade for extended range, we'll put a combustion engine in in conjunction with your electric vehicle. But we're seeing more kind of going back to that hybrid model a little bit, which Toyota stayed the path. Toyota, um, for me, way ahead of everybody you, else. Hybrids, because yeah. They stayed there. Yeah. They stayed there. And, and the government had incentivized getting away from hybrids. Right, right. Yeah, they've done a great job with it. And... You know, the Prius is probably just as relevant now as it was 20 years ago. And it used to be a joke. It was kind of a joke. It's kind of funny. I watched a show here not too long ago. I had one in there and he was proud of it. And everybody's making fun of him. And now nobody makes fun of the Prius anymore. So it's all great. Still looks funny. It, they all look funny nowadays.